What's going on today? Hope the day is treating you well. Wanted to let you know the podcast is proudly brought to you by Muskoka Spray Foam Insulation. If you need your home spray foamed, be sure to check out msfi.ca today. Drew and the crew over at Muskoka are waiting for you to help you with your spray foam needs. Be sure to check out msfi.ca today. We're also proudly brought to you by Boone Contracting. They pride themselves on excellent customer service and quality workmanship. They specialize in every aspect of contracting, residential or commercial, from complete custom renovations, decks, fencing and more. Be sure to check out boonecontracting.ca. Are you ready to go offside? Because it's Offside Hockey Talk with your host, James Roberts. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back yet again with another great episode of Offside Hockey Talk. Sitting down today with the one and the only, the legend here in local terms, John Seitman. John, how is the day treating you? Uh, treating me well there. Just uh, uh, getting some stuff done there. It's a, a, a weird time there in the sports world right now. I, and it's definitely a good opportunity for me to talk with you and your viewers there about everything under the sun. So looking forward to it. <laughs> no, definitely. Well, it is a weird time. I mean, it's so weird, in fact, that even people watching marble races now seem to be the uh, the absolute go-to thing. Over, what, 3 million views on a two-minute marble race and everybody wagering on it. So that's where we're at right now in missing sports. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy there, for sure. There, like you just see some of the the stuff from I, I like they were ha- having a, I like the stuff on TSN. They were showing like the old ESPN, the Ocho stuff, like with I think it was like cornhole and and everything in between. It was so hilarious to, to watch, but it gets some interesting stuff on the airways. Well, it does stuff you usually wouldn't see, and I mean. For lack of better terms, it's fun, right? It's not just sports. It's fun things to watch to get your mind off of everything. And especially here in Nova Scotia, we can use as much mind off of this stuff as possible. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) So for you, I mean, what got you into sports? What got you started? Uh, uh, Well, I I, I guess it's it's a very interesting thing there because, like, uh, when I was younger, I wasn't a very athletic kid there. I... I, I I started in like soccer and baseball. I couldn't do a thing. I, uh, but but I, uh, the the one that connects a lot to a lot of what, what your viewers would be uh, uh, very interesting, of course, the sport of hockey. Uh, I, I I I never actually skated before, and I uh, uh, but in grade eleven, uh, I was in an applied broadcast journalism class at Auburn Drive High School, and. Uh, from there, they uh, were running the uh, Ultramar Hockey Classic, which is their major high school hockey tournament, and uh, we were given an extra credit assignment to uh, to help volunteer with the tournament. And one of the jobs was as announcer and music, and uh, I ended up uh, volunteering for that. And I uh, my first ever game was Auburn Drive versus Coal Harbor High, the big mm-hmm. battle of Coal Harbor. Might have been to a few of those on the other side of the ledger. Uh, yeah, and the and the rest was history. Uh, Three hundred ninety nine games later, I, I I've gotten to announce all over the place in many different levels and have a heck of a lot of fun doing it. Well, you sit there and you, you announce for a bunch of different teams. You got to have a favorite one. There's got to be one that you get a little bit more amped up. Like you're talking about the Auburn Cole Harbor rivalry, but is there's got to be a team that you're like, yes, I get to sit tonight and call these guys. Uh, well, like I've I've always, uh, I, uh, though, like I've gotten to announce in like uh, uh, 
in junior, junior B and major midget, I've always had a passion for the high school game because, like, in some of these other leagues, you have the opportunity where, like, I say, like, for example, the Culver Colts, you, you would see them face a team in the Fred Fox division four or five times, four or five times a season, potentially. In high school hockey, you're only facing off against a team once home and once away. So you, you see that extra added little bit of passion and intensity with every every game because just simply uh, one little mistake could be the, the big difference in their season. No, definitely. Well, you mentioned the Cole Harbor Colts, and that is a team actually that I've dipped my toe in the water here locally and started working with last season. It sucked the season had to end the way it did, but unfortunately Cole Harbor was already wrapped up at that point. But you're right. I got to do a little bit of mic work for them. And just how fun it is, but you got the same teams coming in a lot. You got, we've seen Sackville, I think, in the time I started working with them, I think four times. So you're right, the re- repetitiveness is there. But I don't know, man, something about the junior game and even, like you said, high school, oh, yeah. it, it gets your blood pumping. Like the first game that I got to attend um, working with the Colts was with um, Escazoni and Cole Harbor. Oh, and yeah, that's a good one. That one was just out of control from the get-go, the players going at each other, people going out in the stands, the players going after security. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is Junior B. I said, what have I been missing? This is better than what's on TV. So, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely amazing. And I've seen um, still shots of you and Mavs, you know, down at the rinks, and especially in Cole Harbor. So, I mean, we definitely have to connect one of these times at the rink and then do something fun. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and actually, one of the points there uh, on, uh, like you were saying about the Escasoni uh, matchups, and that that was pretty in- intense. Uh, one of my favorite rivalries of all time uh, throughout my entire announcing career was actually uh, the Colts versus Liverpool, uh, because I was very fortunate to announce a few years ago was when they faced off in the playoffs, and uh, uh, they ended up going all the way seven games to a sold-out Scotia 2, and, and with the big a game seven win there, that place was intense in there. Yeah, I remember talking to John Boone, the, one of the assistant coaches for the uh, Cole Harbor Colts this year, and he was talking to me about how packed it got and the atmosphere, and they were hoping to get that run going this year, you know, with Dougie Darnell and stuff like that on the squad, but it didn't pan out. But when the community rallies behind a team, it is something fun to be a part of. Oh, 100% there. They, uh, when you have a team that, that is like, uh, you have that a great great lineup there and just the, the passion in the community for it, uh, it gets people through the doors and creates a great opportunity for people to see some awesome hockey. Well, I did a little bit of work myself like with the uh, the Junior A out of Ontario with the Markham Royals and a few teams, calling with Colts and stuff like that. Um, you know, And they didn't draw very well. Obviously, you're in more you know of a bigger center stage with... The, you know, you got the Toronto Marlies, you got the Maple Leafs in town. You know, here, though, you're able to, to get the draw. You know, you have the Mooseheads here, but on some weekends when the Mooseheads aren't around, they, people crave that hockey. I'm wondering for you, what is a hockey hotbed that someone might not know about, but the hockey's great and the barn is even better? Uh, uh, well, uh, uh, to me, I've always uh, been a fan of anything out of, out of Coal Harbor Place, like, uh, it's been such a, hit, a historic venue there uh, when you think of some of the ones that have gone through that rink, whether you think of like the, uh, the old days of, of a, a major midget hockey seeing the, Sid, the Sydney Crosbys and the Nathan McKinnons. And like, I was very fortunate when I announced with the Colorado Wolfpack to get to 
uh, announced during uh, one of the years that Jared McIsaac was a member of the, uh, that roster. And, like, you're always, whenever you go in into Scotia 1 and Scotia 2, you're going to see an amazing game every single time. Well, for you, I want to go back and focus on you just a little bit. Obviously, for yourself, you say you're not very athletic, obviously, but, hey, I'll bring it to this. You are representing Team Canada in lawn bowling, and you yeah. are an avid curler. I'm wondering for you, what got you into lawn bowling, and what is the allure there for you? Uh, well, uh, that was a very interesting thing there, because uh, I started uh, in, uh, of course, your candle pin bowling type of thing, like you would normally see, like bowling alley style stuff. And I saw an ad in the, the, the local newspaper for an open house for the local lawn bowling club. So I, 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 I went down and tried it, and uh, I, from the very first uh, bowl I rolled, uh, I was absolutely hooked. And uh, it, it's just one of those sports that a lot of people, uh, they kind of uh, uh, discounted for the, the stereotypes of the fact that, that generally you think of it and you think of uh, uh, generally an older population wearing all white, slow game, but I've come to love it as possibly one of the best sports in the world there. So, so obviously with the, the pandemic happening right now, is that off the table this year or are you still going to be finding ways to, to get out and practice and stuff like that? I know you look at any athlete anywhere, they're not able to do anything. I mean, Tom Brady got kicked out of a park for trying to uh, kick up his game with the Buccaneers. So wondering for you, how are you going to stay sharp? Uh, well, currently a lot of it is just keeping uh, as as physically active as I can there. Of course, unfortunately, due to the state of emergency here in Nova Scotia, I, the I, I, uh, the ban on uh, the local parks and everything uh, being open, that uh, automatically closes all of our facilities uh, there until further notice. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, we're hoping there that... Uh, as this pandemic rolls along there and we potentially see some lifting of restrictions there later in the, in the summer, uh, we'll be able to get back on the greens there and hopefully uh, do our best to, to get some form of season in and, and then return even stronger in 2021. Well, we're talking about the return, you know, and restrictions being lifted. For you, what is an ideal way for sports to come back? There's many different theories thrown around start the leagues up and keep teams in you know one spot and then go ahead and run the league out of one spot or you do it with no fans and no travel i'm wondering for you what is an ideal situation to bring things back it's very interesting to think there because like i've seen so many different scenarios whether like i think i saw one with the nhl of they were thinking of uh, going out of, I think it was North Dakota or something, at one of the, the big arenas there. Uh, I I think that ideally you would want to position it in a, a single area and be able to to limit the travel. I, I, I like I, the CDC and Dr. Fauci uh, were suggesting there when they asked about sports. I, I, but I, again, I, a lot of it is too too early to tell, to be honest, because. Uh, this whole pandemic is so rapidly changing. Uh, it, it seems like every day that uh, there's some form of different uh, piece of news there coming out, and uh, uh, who knows? Maybe by the time uh, we see sports return there, I believe the PGA Tour is returning in June with no fans. Uh, so uh, it could the whole world could be completely different by then, and 
they, they may be able to find some different opportunities. Well, you look at a game like golf, though. I mean, golf screams the, the ability to do uh, social distance. You know, oh, basically you could have a, a caddy and the player going up the field together. Um, you know, there's obviously no or the course, sorry, not the field. And then, um, you know, no spectators. You know, obviously they may not even use the clubhouse. Each guy might just get changed wherever or do whatever. Um, that is one sport you can see coming back quickly. But you look at a game like football and just the amount of staff, extra players, um, on the field, off the field, and not only that, you have line judges and you have your referees. Um, then it goes on and on and on and on. You're you're talking, you know, probably in and around 500 people to run an NFL game. Period. Oh, easily. You know, and you look at that and what has to go into it. Not to mention, you know, from the broadcast standpoint, what you need to bring in that way. Um, you know, that would be a tougher game for me to get back. And I mean, I posted last night because I was asked by someone, you know. What do you think is the best way to bring it back, and should you? And I, and I said the only way you can bring it back is if you have, you know, rapid response testing that takes Absolutely. 15, 20 minutes, but you can't just have it readily available for sports and celebrities. It has to be available for the mass public. It can't oh, just be for these guys who are on the field or on the ice or, you know, superstar is going to want to perform and, you know, and whatever. It has to be available for each and every person. So that's the yeah, only way I see it coming back properly. And... I guess our first test balloon is going to be May 9th with the UFC. And oh, yeah, definitely. What they're going to do is bring those fighters in, and I guess everybody's going to be tested. Um, you know, But the thing that I don't understand is how the WWE and the UFC are essential. Yeah, I, don't, I, I, I didn't agree with that as much there when I, I heard Governor DeSantis uh, put that, that in place. To me, I, I personally, I, I saw that as a, a little bit of a money grab from a certain Republican donor <laughs> there, but uh, then again, that's just me. <laughs> no, no, you, trust me, you're not the only one connecting those dots in that picture. Oh, uh, yeah. No, but you, I mean, even if you look at it, you go a little bit further, you, you see Donald Trump name that task force about restarting the economy and instantly saying he's not going to put any doctors or any health people on it, and one of the, the first two people he names is Dana White and Vince McMahon. Yeah. So, that, I mean, is that, it... To further the, the fact that living in this pandemic feels like something out of a movie, now it feels just something straight out of a cartoon. That you're getting these commissioners of sports that are on TV and are so brash and blatant, and you have them now going to be part of starting your economy. It's like, how serious are you really taking this? Yeah, it, it, it's definitely a crazy situation there, and they, they, uh, that's where I I see I. I the involvement of health professionals and how, how they're seeing a return to sports is definitely a factor where I, I know I heard rumors there, of course, Commissioner Manfred has been doing a lot of work with the CDC around the potential return of baseball uh, with that scenario potentially even utilizing the, the Grapefruit League and the Cactus League type concepts. It's one of those situations where if, if they want some form of return they have to be able to be a, a bit creative in how they do it uh, uh, so that it, it limits potential for a, a issue with with the virus and maybe could give it i know it's weird to say it, it uh, quoting uh, I, one of my favorite characters from the hunger games the movie series it kind of gives some some people something to cheer for if you have a, a the ability there that that it, it it is safe 
uh, and it's something that, that health professionals are able to, to get behind, not just the, the, the bottom line people like the executives. If, if, they can, if there's a scenario which allows them to be able to, uh, to make it safe for the athletes and the athletes first, that is what uh, will be very interesting to see for sure. Yeah, and like I said, it goes right back to that. There has to be the the, the rapid response testing, yeah. you know, readily available for everyone before before I even want to see a league jump up, and I want to see this testing be good. And I mean, I talked to JD Bunkus from Sportsnet, and we were talking about when the UFC was going to do, you know, the one on the reserve there in the states on tribal land, and you know, they were talking about instant testing, but at that point, there was nothing concrete for that testing so now you'll have this test balloon on may 9th you get to see how it goes but my only issue with this doesn't matter what league it is you have one positive test then it all has to shut down 100 percent. it all has to go away again and be packaged back up and put away so you can't just say well we're gonna you know get this guy out of here that doesn't work because he's already been exposed to the training staff the players coaches the other team you know and the worst part about this disease is a lot of people are asymptomatic, so they have it, and they don't show. Oh, 100%. So, like, you look at Don, Donovan Mitchell there at uh, Utah Jazz. Like, uh, uh, he uh, was saying there after he was diagnosed that, that he was feeling well enough that it, if you had told him the next day that he was going to have to play a seven-game series, he, he was saying that he was physically ready to go. Like, it, it shows how scary this disease can be where it, it, it's de- so deadly, yet uh, you may not even know that, that you're – even infected and that's the scariest part for me because you know like i said you have to have the testing but it doesn't matter you can have all the best testing in the world the problem with bringing these teams in is and i said this before is you're going to have to have a hotel you're going to have to have that hotel staff by staff members of that hotel you're going to have to have cooks delivery services you're going to have to have a lot of other things in and out away from that are not connected to these teams coming in and out you know, from the city, from wherever, and who knows what they have. Are they being tested as well before they get on the premises? You know, are is everyone at the whatever place they're bringing from, whether it's a meat factory, whether it's from water, wherever it's for whatever, are they all being tested as well not to bring it in? So there's too many. To me, there's so many variables that at the fact you look at it, it's like, okay, it, do we just wait? And yeah. From listening to to Joe Rogan and his podcast, not that he's any beacon of uh, you know news, but you listen to him for the entertainment value. But you know him, you know citing people saying that we might not have anything live with actual live crowds until 2021 in the fall. That starts to to raise your eyebrows. Like, okay, this may be uh, in it for the long haul. Oh yeah, absolutely, and it's one it's one of those ones where I I we just have to uh, in some instances. I, I realized there that uh, you may have to, to take a bit of, a, of, in the case of some of these big leagues, take a, a little bit of a hit and, and uh, just uh, pause and wait a little bit for the uh, the science to advance further. And and then, like, as I say, it, the, the situation with this pandemic has been so rapidly changing that, that uh, yes, of course, the most conservative timelines seen around these treatments and vaccines have been like 12 to 18 months but I mean, we all we all know there the amount of money that, that and time that's being put in into these that that you you don't the world could be a completely different situation by September or October when when most of these uh, major leagues would have picked 
up anyway for the the 2020-2021 season. Yeah. So I, I, to me, it's one of those situations where you kind of it, it should take a, a bit of more of a pause and let science take its course. And then uh, while that's happening, you come up with some some game plans of if it happens that that there is a disruption to 2020-2021, you have a firm ground game as to how you're going to approach that to be able to potentially provide something at that time. Yeah, for me, you know, I'm a huge hockey fan. I want to see what's going to go on with the NHL. I want I want the cup to be awarded, but at the same time, you know, what impacts does it have? You look at the fact, if you want to start in August and finish in, you know, October pretty much and then delay the season starting till December and then you're delaying that second or you're you're shortening that second season, as I said to, to you know, in, in many other talks, you look at leagues, there's firm dates for things. You look at the NHL, for instance, UFA is July 1st. You have the draft in June. You have, you know, all these marker points that now you have to push and move. And for me, these young ones that are coming into the league, you know, getting drafted, you're pushing them back a few months. You know, what does that do to the psyche? What does that do to their development? For the fact that they won't be doing anything. You know, they don't know where they're going to be. They don't know where they're going to be playing. And then it's just so many things that are so uncertain. I think for most leagues, you should, you should cut bait and, and just move forward, I guess, and, and get ready for your next season like you were saying. Oh, 100%. And also, you also have to think of it like we've been talking about there, logistically, of what it takes to run an NHL game. Because because we all, we all know the issue of one thing that you need for a hockey game is good ice. And uh, when you look at the fact that, that let's be honest, uh, some, uh, a summertime ice is different than ice in December. Oh, yeah. So, uh, uh, like, you're put, uh, I've seen some things there online of uh, some of these ice makers for NHL arenas that are, are, were essentially saying uh, even with no uh, crowd in the building, it's going to be a, essentially a humidity nightmare to try to be able to if they did happen to somehow find a way to come back in August it, it, to be able to operate, it, to me, like we, we say there, it's like coming back it, even October, November, December would be a more realistic approach. But again, it, I, honestly, that's way above my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's good as you know, as fans and then people that deal in sports a little bit, you know, to surmise about it and just have you know your own thoughts, right? Because. Oh, yeah. Everybody's got an opinion on what's going to happen. Uh, i got to ask you, though. I mean, obviously, here in Halifax, we have our own teams. We have the Mooseheads, a lot of junior sports here. But we have, the, like I said, the Mooseheads. We have the Hurricanes. And then this year, we got, which in my opinion was one of the most amazing atmospheres to attend, was the Halifax Thunderbirds. Oh, um, I, I want to ask you, have you gotten out to any games, and what was your, your initial thoughts? Uh, I uh, I did get out, did not get out to any of the, the actual regular season. I did watch a few of the games uh, online. I, uh, I, the uh, the only game I did get out to was uh, way back when they had that uh, inter squad uh, blue versus orange game that they they had to kind of test everything out. And it, it's one thing that is absolutely so cool to watch as a a, a person who who. I, I always say there as an announcer, I almost work in sports entertainment. So to see like the the way that that they're entertaining the crowd in a new way that that we haven't been used to through basketball or hockey, 
uh, uh, here in Halifax. It, it's an exciting thing to see, and it's great to see the city get behind that. Uh, unfortunately, to have had the pandemic cut their dream season uh, that little bit short, it was a, a little bit unfortunate. But hopefully, when they do come back, they'll come back even stronger, and it will be uh, hopefully a, a good contender for the NLL. Well, I know the squad, you know, pretty well. I got to do a bunch of stuff with the, the Thunderbirds this season. And, you know, just talking to the guys and talking to uh, Dana Jackson, which is their PR person, you know, they didn't expect it to be as crazy as it was with the fan base. And I got to go to a couple games and just how jam-packed it was and how everybody was so into it. It was so nice oh, yeah. to see because right now we are floating a lot of test balloons here in Halifax for sports. You have the, the NLL here. You have basketball. The Mooseheads will always be here. They're a strong foothold. But you look at a big league coming in, like the National Lacrosse League, and you want to see a fan support of that because we're trying really hard right now to get a CFL stadium built here and bring a CFL team. I'm wondering for you, are you on team, stadium, and would you like a CFL team here in Halifax? I, I, to, to me, it's a, uh, I, I am supportive of a CFL coming to Halifax. It's just one of those scenarios where they just have to look at the logistics and create the right business case. To me, I do see the support there in this city, and it's very tough because, like, you're when they started doing the stuff, they were trying to base some of their ideas off of some of the very, very successful franchises that have a firm footing in, in their communities. Uh, I, uh, that's where I, they've been really good with trying to, to get the word out and cr- create fan support behind uh, that team before it, e- it even really has a place to play, I, I, which was something that you didn't see when the Schooners tried to, to get started. I believe it was 1992, I think it was, when yep. they originally they tried to get a team. I, but I do think it's a, a little bit of a long way away, unfortunately. But I think seeing stuff like the the Thunderbirds with how they've had eight thousand plus through the building in their first first year, it it gives hope for us sports fans in Halifax to be able to potentially see a, maybe a CFL team, maybe even a, a, a once that happens, a Grey Cup come to our community. That would be a, a dream for us. Well, you look at another team that's come to town and done really well, and you see the banners all over the city, and that's the Halifax Wanderers. Oh, 100%. You know, so there is a huge appetite here for all walks of sport, and it seems like everybody can at least agree on one thing. Everybody comes together and watches a game, whether you see somebody at a Moosehead game, you'll see them at a lacrosse game. Everybody is supporting each team around, and that's what I love about being here in Halifax and just HRM in general. Everybody's so passionate about all the sports stuff that goes on, and I love going to, to junior games and just seeing all kinds of fans in the stands because everybody's looking for the next one, whether it be hockey, whether it's basketball, whatever, and it's great to see for you I'm wondering, what has been your favorite call so far that you've got to call, and what is your favorite player you got to speak to? Ah, that that is a very, very good question there. So, I, to me, again, uh, like I say, for for games I've ever gotten to announce, uh, uh, you, you got to go right back to uh, to that game, game seven there, uh, Colbert Colts versus Liverpool Privateers. 
uh, we've packed pretty much. Uh, uh, we actually pretty much turned away people from uh, the arena uh, uh, that afternoon uh, there at Cole Harper Place because it was sold out. Uh, we, uh, of course, uh, some of our viewers who like the viewers who may have been to Cole, Scotia too. It's a small arena, and we packed like a good. 400 to 500 or so into that place and to, to have it go tied right through to the last two minutes and then have Connor Loden blow the roof off the place with the, the goal to take the lead, it was an absolutely ballistic atmosphere in the place. As for the, the player, probably the best player I've gotten to announce for, you got to bring it back to Jared McIsaac. Jared, I got to announce for in his major midget year when he got drafted into the queue and uh, uh, he was just one of those ones that when you saw him out there on the ice he was just uh, uh, you could tell there was that different feeling about him that like his skill was just that next level like his, his wrist shot was absolutely exceptional his speed was there he had uh, uh, just that really good ability to be in the right place at the right time and to be an impactful player every shift. So I, uh, to see him have some great success there, of course, with the Halifax Mooseheads, and then uh, now get drafted uh, there uh, with the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, hopefully, maybe in the future, we'll get to see him uh, uh, up making an impact there in Hockey Town, USA. But uh, I, who knows? There, I, I'll just be happy to say that I got to announce for him when he was in Little Cole Harbor, Nova Scotia. <laughs> Well, I don't think you have any worry there. I do believe they have high hopes for Jared. So I do believe the gentleman you've called for will be patrolling the blue line for the Detroit Red Wings in seasons to come. But, John, I want to thank you very much. I know it's been a rough time around Nova Scotia with everything that's happened and then, of course, the pandemic going on on top of that. So I want to thank you very much for taking the time today. Can you let everybody know where they can find your work, where they can find you and uh, look you up to see what you're doing? Uh, well, I, I, for anybody that wants to, they can follow, follow me on uh, Twitter. My Twitter handle is at John Seitman. And I can also, I have, actually, uh, thanks to this pandemic, I had the time to set up a, a Facebook page. So you can also uh, find me on uh, Facebook at Seitman Sports Announcing. So uh, uh, that I have a little bit of uh, I have videos of my uh, I past calls there, uh, whether it be Announce, announcing in the arenas or play-by-play -play there with my work with Eastlink TV. So, yeah, I, I hopefully we'll be able to I, get through all this safely and be back in, in the ranks before you know it. Well, I look forward to it this fall, and I look forward to speaking to you when things do get back up and rolling. John, again, thank you very much for taking the time. Yeah, no worries. Thanks, James. All right, so there you had it. That is John Seitman from Eastlink TV. He is in your community checking out your local sports teams. As you heard, having the call for many different squads over the years. Great to sit down and talk to him about the pandemic, about sports, when it's coming back, and, of course, local sports teams here in Halifax. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in, checking it out. Hopefully we enlightened you, had some fun. We'll talk to you later on.